episode 14 a four year old girl is brought to the office by her father due to a day of dysuria and uh, abdominal discomfort that is lower abdominal discomfort the girl has been toilet trained for a year but had an episode of urinary incontinence last night the patient was hospitalized at age 2 for fatigue secondary to hemolytic anemias workup ultimately reveals a low glucose 6 phosphate deficiency glucose 6 phosphate dehydrogenase level at the baseline she has had no hematologic complications since then physical examination show mild suprapubic tenderness but no costovertebral angle tenderness the remaining of the physical examination is unremarkable laboratory result are as follows leukocyte esterase is positive nitrate is positive and bacteria are present in the urine okay so which of the following antibiotic should be avoided in this patient so since this is a 4 year old girl and there are so many bacteria nitrates and leukocyte are positive so which antibiotics must not be given and also she is g6 pd deficient so the options are amoxicillin clavulanic acid cefixime cefpodoxime or uh, cefalexime or nitrofurantoin so the answer to this question is nitrofurantoin medications that often triggers the hemolysis in g6 pd deficient patient are the medications which you must avoid are diamino diphenyl sulfone that is known as dapsone diamino diphenyl sulfone is dapsone okay isobutyl nitrite nitrofurantoin primaquine raspberry case so raspberry case primaquine nitrofurantoin isobutyl nitrite and dapsone must be avoided and the medications which should be used with cautions are acetaminophen and salicylic acid that is aspirin chloramphenicol chloroquine colchicin and uh, benadryl that is diphenhydramine and uh, glyburide isoniazid levodopa quinine sulfamethoxazole trimethoprim vitamin k vitamin k trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole quinine levodopa isoniazid glyburide benadryl colchicin chloroquine chloramphenicol aspirin and acetaminophen okay now this patient has dysuria and abdominal pain and urinary incontinence and urine analysis findings suggest that the patient is having urinary tract infection for the antibiotic therapy for which the antibiotic therapy is indicated and she also has g6pd def- uh, dehydrogenase deficiency uh, given in her history because of the prior hospitalization where she was found to have a low baseline g6pd g6pd deficiency is an inherited disorder associated with episodes of hemolysis during the oxidative state stress In this patient, oxidative medications such as nitrofurantoin are particularly likely to trigger the hemolysis, and that must be avoided. The most common triggers include the infections, such as leukocyte releases the high oxidative free radical reactions, so which can cause this uh, G6PD cells to break down, and also fava beans, which metabolizes to high oxidative compound. G6PD deficiency is an X-linked disorder and primarily affects the male patients. However, female patients who has homozygous mutations or a skewed lyonization is present of the heterozygous mutation. That is, the overexpression of the erythrocyte with mutated mutated X chromosome can also express these disorders. Okay, yeah. So penicillin and cefalosporin are generally safe in case of G6PD. So this is not the answer. The next question is a 8 year old boy is brought to the office for evaluations of bilateral leg and bilateral leg and back pain his pain started uh, yesterday and has gradually worsened and he has no uh, relief with the ibuprofen or acetaminophen on warm packs the patient medical history is notable for sickle cell disease he has had five prior hospitalization for the same similar episode, similar pain episode in his back and leg Hydroxyurea has been prescribed but the prescription has not been filled due to the lack of the insurance 
temperature is 99 degree fahrenheit blood pressure is 110 by 70 pulse is 132 respiration is 20 physical examination shows an uncomfortably appearing boy with conjunctival pallor palpations of the bilateral leg and back shows tenderness and although no erythema or swelling is noted, laboratory results are as follows. Hemoglobin is 8.2 gram per deciliter, hematocrit is 26, mean corpuscular volume is 84, reticulocyte count is 8% and platelet is 3,80,000 and leukocyte is 17,000. So what finding is most likely to be present in this peripheral blood smear of the patient? So the answer to this question is Howell Jolly Body because in sickle cell disease you see the Howell Jolly Body. This patient's sickle cell disease has typically vasoocclusive pain crisis and a history of similar episode. Repeated microinfarctions form the clump of the sickle cells that can destroy the splenic tissue, leading to the microvascular beds that promote sickling. Okay, microvascular bed that promote sickling. This chronic damage or autoinfarctions to the spleen leads to the functional asplenia by age 5 in patient with sickle cell disease. So if the patient is growing and he's age 5, so there you will see that the autoinfarction has occurred of, of the spleen because the sickle cell destroyed the splenic tissue. Because the spleen normally plays an important role in, in important immunologic role in clearing the bacteria from the blood, functional asplenia leads to susceptibility to infections, particularly from encapsulated bacteria such as pneumonia, streptococcus pneumonia, H influenza, Neisseria meningitis. A functional spleen also removes normal nuclear remnant of the red blood cells or Howell Jolly body. Okay, normal nuclear remnant or Howell Jolly body in the patient with a history of splenectomy or asplenia. As this patient, as in this patient, Howell Jolly body would be expected on the peripheral smear. They appears as small purple dots with the, the red blood cells. Okay. Basophilic stripling represent the ribosomal precipitates and which appears as blue granules and various sizes and disappear dis, disperse throughout the cytoplasm and it is seen in thalassemia, lead poisoning and heavy metal poisoning. Okay, so basophilic stripling strip 3 appears like the RBC is having few dots on it. Okay, blue dots. Now, Heinz body are the small inclusions within the erythrocyte aggregation of denatured hemoglobin and this is seen in G6PD deficiency patient and you see by cells in them only and the helmet cells or cystocytes are seen in microangiopathic hemolytic anemias. Next, so, sorry, next question is a 17 year old boy comes to the office due to leg pain in the left thigh over a ear. Okay, left thigh. He has noticed the pain only while running but it become more frequent and more intense even after walking shorter distances. For the last three weeks, the pain has occurred even while sitting down and lying in the bed. He has taken acetaminophen and ibuprofen with no relief. The patient has a history of sickle cell disease and has previously been hospitalized for back and chest and leg pain. Okay, but he has, uh, she says the current pain is different. Three weeks ago, the, he had upper respiratory illness that lasted for three days and resolved spontaneously. He does not use tobacco, alcohol, illicit any drug temperature is 98 degree Fahrenheit. Blood pressure is 110 by 70. Pulse is 78. Height and weight are 10th percentile of the age. Physical examination demonstrate an alert, uncomfortable adolescent. There is pain on flexion, extension and rotation of the left hip and restricted movements are also there. Distal pulses and deep tendon reflexes are normal. Gait is notably for a slight limp. The complete blood cell count shows normal cystic anemias and a normal white cell count. Which of the following is most likely explanation for this patient's symptoms? 
bacterial infections of the hip joint displacement of the femoral epiphysis fracture of the femoral neck malignancies of the proximal fever osteonecrosis of the femur head or reactive arthritis of the hip joint so i think the answer should be osteonecrosis of the femur head because it is a case of avascular necrosis avascular necrosis etiologies includes the steroid use the alcohol abuse the systemic lupus erythematosus the antiphospholipid syndrome hemoglobinopathy such as sickle cell disease as in this case infections such as osteomyelitis hiv renal transplant and decompression sickness so steroid use alcohol abuse sle antiphospholipid syndrome hemoglobinopathies infections osteomyelitis and hiv renal transplant and decompression sickness are the features of avascular necrosis clinical manifestations includes the groin pain on weight bearing okay while you are bearing weight you see you feel groin pain pain on the hip abductions and internal rotations no erythema swelling or point tenderness you will have no such findings okay and uh, laboratory finding will show normal wbcs normal esr and crp radiologic imaging shows crescent sign seen in the advanced stage but in this time we had no we had no x-rays so we don't see the crescent signs and mri is the most sensitive modality for testing the avascular necrosis in sickle cell disease this patient most likely has osteonecrosis or avascular necrosis of the hip joint due to sickle cell disease osteonecrosis is a common complication of scd secondary to the red blood cell sickling and microinfarctions and bone hyperplasia the most common sites of are humeral and the femoral heads clinical features typically includes the groin and the buttock and the thigh pain that initially occurs with weight bearing but progresses to occurring at rest examination demonstrate pain and limited range of the motion with internal rotation and abduction because it is a chronic and non inflammatory process avascular necrosis does not present with erythema or warmth of the joint leukocytosis or any elevated inflammatory markers these are not present in case of avascular necrosis x ray of the hip may appear normal early in the disease and mri should be performed to confirm the diagnosis okay and you the other options are the splenic uh, in spleen you see that the spleen uh, sorry in the sickle cell disease you see that splenectomy occurs so there is infection with streptococcus h influenza and easier meningitis but this is not the cause of that slip capital femoral epiphysis result in the displacement of the proximal femur due to external shearing such as obesity or trauma okay and the patient typically presents report hip pain or groin pain with weight bearing the same feature is there okay but relies on an Uh, but relies on an open growth plate and is more common in youngsters of uh, than those in this patient so this flipped capital epiphysis is more common in the youngsters not in this patient okay this patient is a child is 17 years old okay it's not a young birth person femoral neck fractures can predispose to avascular necrosis but uh, yeah but there is no such history of the trauma so it's not the answer osteosarcoma malignancies uh, typically present in the adolescent or sub subacute or chronic uh, lower extremity pain osteosarcoma typically involves distal femur and proximal tibia that means the knee joint okay yeah next is the reactive arthritis present with asymmetric arthritis most commonly in the lower extremities after or a preceding gi tract infections and the genito urinary infections okay so if you see genito urinary or gi tract infections you can think about the reactive arthritis the chronic nature of this patient's pain and preceding respiratory illness makes reactive arthritis less likely because respiratory illness does not lead to reactive arthritis git and genito urinary illness need next question is a 4 year old boy is brought to the office for evaluation of a rash his mother states that pinpoints bruises have appeared all over his body 
for the past 24 hours the patient has no bleeding or recent trauma three weeks ago he has an upper respiratory tract infection that resolved eventually the patient takes no medications no allergies his immunization is up to the mark no family history of bleeding or clotting disorder present the vital signs are within the normal image of for the age physical examination show cooperative well appearing child with scattered petechiae on the trunk and the extremities lower oral mucosa appears normal and uh, basically oral mucosa appears normal there is no lymphadenopathy splenomegaly hemoglobin is 13.5 platelet is 40000 and leukocyte is 7000 peripheral blood smear show very few platelets and the platelet size and morphology is normal which of the following is the best next step in management for this patients so what is the next step you do for management of this patients so either you do bone marrow evaluation you do give them intravenous antibiotic intravenous immunoglobulins or uh, you observe the patient or you do spleen uh, platelet transfusion or you do splenectomy so according to me the answer for this should be oh the answer is uh, observation okay so this is an immune thrombocytopenia etiology platelet auto antibodies are formed preceding viral infection will be there clinical presentation includes petechiae and eukaryotes mucosal reading and epistaxis and hematuria can also be there laboratory evaluation shows isolated platelet thrombocytopenia less than 1 lakh platelet few platelet with normal size on peripheral smear treatment in children you simply have to observe if cutaneous symptoms only are present since this patient was having only cutaneous symptoms so you simply have to observe otherwise you could give them glucocorticoid iv immunoglobulin or anti d if bleeding is there and uh, in adult observe if cutaneous symptoms are there and platelet count is more than equal to 30000 and glucocorticoid uh, and iv immunoglobulins and ntd is given only when the platelet count is less than 30000 in adults okay but in uh, children there is no such platelet count criteria you only have to look the cutaneous symptoms if only cutaneous symptoms is present don't do anything just observe and if uh, you see bleeding then you give glucocorticoid iv immunoglobulin and an ntd Immune thrombocytopenic purpura is most commonly seen in the child of age two to five years and is characterized by abnormally low platelet that is less than one lakh that result in increased propensity for bruising and bleeding. In ITP, autoantibodies are directed against the platelet membrane agent and leading to the destructions of the antibody platelet complex in the spleen. ITP is usually preceded by a viral infection as is. which and the patient present with petechiae and purpura in severe cases the patient may experience mucosal bleeding such as epistaxis hematuria gastrointestinal bleeding laboratory studies show isolated thrombocytopenia with variable size normal to large platelet may be seen on the peripheral smear due to increased platelet turnover observation alone is recommended in the child with only cutaneous symptoms that is petechiae regardless of the platelet count okay the course is usually self limiting with a spontaneous recovery within 3 months glucocorticoid iv immunoglobulins if rh positive and coombs negative was there and iv immunoglobulins and also ntd the first line treatment of choice in children with mucosal bleeding okay yeah so the other option was bone marrow evaluation is performed uh, if presentation is concerned with leukemia okay so but this time we don't do that antibiotic treatment of the sepsis is done when you see that bleeding is there thrombocytopenia and dic is there so you have to rule out the cause of the dic and then you treat with antibiotic okay but it's not indicated for ite platelet transfusion treatment for congenital platelet abnormality is done only for bernard soulier syndrome okay which present with very large platelet on the peripheral smear so if it is a case of bernard syndrome then you give the platelet transfusion splenectomy can increase the life span and quality of the platelet and quantity of the platelet okay and by reducing the destruction of the platelet splenectomy is the last resort okay 
and it is done only when the chronic itp is refractory or ime immunoglobulins and corticosteroid are no, not working the next question is a 16 year old boy comes to the emergency department due to a day of severe thigh pain he was diagnosed with sickle cell disease during the childhood the boy has had several episodes of unbearable pain in his abdomen okay so he is having a left thigh pain and he has several episodes of unbearable pain in the abdomen and the thigh and the lower back that requires six separate hospitalization for pain medications and intravenous fluid temperature is 98 blood pressure is 120 by 80 pulse is 110 respiration is 16 pulse oximetry shows oxygen saturation 97% examination show uncomfortably appearing boy lungs are clear to auscultations the thigh uh, the left thigh is tender to palpations but has no erythema or swelling the patient is able to bear weight and has no pain elsewhere adequate hydrations and analgesics are administered with improvement of the symptoms on discharge from the hospitalizations the patient's hematologist considered him to from uh, starting of first line medication to decrease the frequency of pain crisis Wh what is the most common potential side effect of this first line medications which is used in this case okay so we have to talk about the potential side effect of this the medication which we are using so yeah simply the management of the sickle cell disease is done so maintenance for maintenance we must give them vaccination and also penicillin must be used until the age 5 folic acid supplementation is also used hydroxyurea is also used and yeah if the patient is having recurrent vasoclusive crisis then we use hydroxyurea acute pain crisis such as hydration and uh, nee acute pain crisis for acute pain crisis we use hydration analgesics and also transfusion if needed okay so vaccination penicillin until age 5 folic acid supplementation hydroxyurea with recurrent vasoclusive crisis and for acute pain crisis hydration analgesics and transfusion the hallmark uh, of the sickle cell disease is recurrent acute painful episodes of the vasoclusive crisis the acute management consists of hydrations and analgesic and non steroidal anti inflammatory drugs and opioids the hydroxyurea is indicated in the patients who has frequent pain crises and history of acute chest syndromes and also severe symptomatic anemias the major beneficial effect of hydroxyurea is it is increases the fetal hemoglobin sickle hemoglobin is uh, therefore proportional uh, proportionally decrease resulting in the production reduced polymerization of the rbcs and fewer episode of vasoclusive crisis hydroxyurea also decreases the risk of acute chest syndromes and need for blood transfusions the primary dose limiting side effects of hydroxyurea is myelosuppression that is neutropenia anemia and thrombocytopenia so yeah side effect of hydroxyurea is myelosuppression okay now the patient with sickle cell disease may develop the renal crisis during the sick, uh, due to the sickling only and hydroxyurea rarely cause acute so this was not the answer iron overload can occurs if chronic blood transfusion needed but it is not the side effect of hydroxyurea so yeah this is not the answer okay osteonecrosis in patient with sickle cell disease occurs due to disease not because of the drug okay and the patient with sickle cell disease increase the risk of stroke and hydroxyurea has shown to improve the transcranial doppler ultrasonographic flow okay so hydroxyurea decrease the risk of the stroke okay not increase although the blood bank routinely screen all the product for the disease patient requiring blood transfusion are at slightly increased risk of acquiring a viral infection but in case of hydroxyurea there is no such risk of virus viral infection next question is a 3 day old boy is brought to the emergency department due to bruising the patient was born 39 weeks gestation via vaginal delivery at home and this is his 
first medical evaluations he is breastfeeded exclusively vital signs are within the normal limits several ecchymoses are visible on extremities physical examination is otherwise unremarkable laboratory result are as follows so platelet is 270000 pt is 26 with seconds that is increased and dptt is uh, 42 seconds that again is increased and the thrombin time is 18 which is normal which of the following is the most likely cause of the patient's conditions okay so you see that platelet is okay and there is there are changes in pt and aptt let's just check out what is the normal pt and normal aptt so that it will help us to avoid the wrong answers so yeah normal aptt is up to 40 from 25 to 40 and it is increased since it is 42 and normal pt is uh, 11 to 15 only and pt is here is 26 so yeah it is again increased thrombin time they already told that uh, less than 2 seconds deviation from the control so it was 15 or 8 to 20 it's 18 so it's normal okay you see that platelets are okay also average so which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient condition so either it because of the absence fibrinogen production coagulation factor consumptions decrease one variable in synthesis or deficient factor 8 production or impaired platelet functions or reduced coagulation uh, factors uh, carboxylation okay so the answer to this question is reduced coagulation factor for carboxylation because the neonate who was not received prior medical care has bruises and prolonged pt and ptd the finding are concerned with vitamin k bleeding deficiencies vitamin k is an essential uh, factor for enzymatic uh, carboxylations and activations of the coagulation factor 2 7 9 10 newborns are newborns are vitamin k deficient due to poor placement placental lip transfer okay they are vitamin k deficient due to poor placental transfer lack of the intestinal flora to synthesize the vitamin k and immature liver functions that is poor vitamin k utilization therefore intramuscular vitamin k is given at the birth to prevent spontaneous bleeding neonate who don't receive these injections suggest as in this patients are at higher risk of vitamin k deficiency bleeding particularly if uh, exclusively breastfeeded because breast milk con- contain insufficient vitamin k classic vitamin k deficiency bleeding present on day 2 to day 7 of the life with easy bruising and mucosal bleeding such as epistaxis or gastrointestinal bleeding that is gi tract hemorrhage or intracranial hemorrhage the late onset of the disease can occurs up to 8 6 months because of the reduced coagulation factors carboxylation laboratory evaluation shows prolonged pt in severe deficiency prolonged ptt and diagnosis is confirmed by the reversal of the laboratory abnormalities with vitamin k administration okay yeah so let's talk about the infantile vitamin k deficient bleeding pathophysiology is low vitamin k because of the poor placental transfer salarial gut and low breast content uh, low content in the breast milk okay and the efficient vitamin k used by immature liver inefficient vitamin k used by the immature liver clinical features classically present at day 2 to 7 of the life easy bruising umbilical and mucosal gastrointestinal bleeding intracranial hemorrhage can also be there pt increase ptt increase and normal platelet is there prevention just give them intramuscular uh, intramuscular vitamin k at birth only okay next is a fibrinogenemia is a rare autosomal recessive bleeding disorders characterized by absence of fibrinogen production if you see a fibrinogenemia that is no fibrin is there in the blood okay Uh, it leads to severe bleeding classically develops at the side of the umbilical cord after the birth if you see bleeding is there at the umbilical cord at the birth then it is because of fibrinogenemia a fibrinogenemia okay 
Disseminated intravascular coagulation, you see bruising at the intravenous site and oozing from that there only. And here the platelet is also consumed, so platelet must be low, but this time the platelets were normal. One variability factor, only, P only PTT is affected, so yeah, this is also not the answers. Partial platelet uh, functions can cause the medication, um, with, can cause because of the medication such as aspirin, no metabolic conditions such as uremia and liver, liver disorders and congenital diseases such as glansman thrombospenias. The patient have mucocutaneous bleeding and petechiae, PT and PTT and platelet account are normal. Okay. Moving on to the next question. An 8-month-old girl is brought to the clinic by her mother for post-hospitalization follow-up. She was admitted, admitted and discharged last week due to fatigue, anemia and requiring transfusion of the packed red blood cells. She going, since going home, the patient has had no issues. Okay. On examination, she is alert and interactive. The cardiopulmonary examination unremarkable. The spleen is palpable 2 cm below the costal margin. Hemoglobin electrophoresis performed uh, to her for prior to her initial evaluation shows 5% of the hemoglobin A2 and 95% of the hemoglobin F. Her mother asked about the long-term outcomes. It is uh, discussed that the patient will need chronic red blood cell transfusion to maintain her hemoglobin at appropriate level but individuals are not able to survive into the fifth and sixth decades of the life that is 50 to 60 years with supportive management in addition to the chronic transfusion the patient will require which of the following supportive medications to improve the long term survival so what must be given to them for improvement of the long term long term survival so answer to this question is chelation therapy because this patient's hemoglobin electrophoresis results are consistent with beta thalassemia mutation in both beta globulin gene result in absent beta globulin gene known as beta thalassemia major instead of the two alpha two beta chains that typically compose the hemoglobin a the patient has hemoglobin f that is two alpha and two gamma gene and hemoglobin a2 that is two alpha and two delta gene since the fetal hemoglobin F predominates in the first few months until the adult hemoglobin A is synthesized, beta thalassemia is generally asymptomatic in the newborn patient. The patient around 8, 6 to 12 months develops fatigue, pallor due to microcytic anemia. Splenic hemolysis of the RBCs can result in jaundice and arcuate and splenomegaly if left untreated. The patient can develop skeletal abnormalities due to extramedullary hematopoiesis also. Okay, and beta thalassemia major requires transfusion every time and the patient is transfusion dependent. In addition to the transfusion, since there can occur the iron overload for that control, we use the chelation therapy to avoid the liver and kidney and endocrine organ damage and thus this improves the survival. So now let's talk about the uh, hemoglobin electrophoresis pattern in sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia. So condition if hemoglobin A, hemoglobin A2, hemoglobin F and hemoglobin S. Normally, Hemoglobin A is there, so it has um, in normally 95% to 98% is hemoglobin A only. A2 is 2.5% and less than 1% is hemoglobin F and hemoglobin S is absent. In beta thalassemia minor, you see that there is a reduction in the hemoglobin A and there is increase in the hemoglobin A2 and hemoglobin F is near normal and hemoglobin S is absent. In beta thalassemia major, you see that there is absent hemoglobin A hemoglobin a2 is highly increased hemoglobin f is highly increased and hemoglobin s is absent in sickle cell trait you see hemoglobin a is so decreased it's not absent but it's reduced to a huge quantity and hemoglobin a2 is near normal hemoglobin f is near normal and hemoglobin s is increased in sickle cell disease and hemoglobin a is absolutely absent and uh, hemoglobin a2 is near normal hemoglobin f is increased and hemoglobin s is oh, highly increased highly increased okay so 
so this is all about this lecture thank you so much for listening